So this morning's gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 5, and it's verses 13 to 16, and it's page 916 in the Church Bibles. Salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, you'll help me to discharge, I believe, the words that you've given me today. May it be a blessing to those who hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Especially young people. Um, salt and light. Salt and light. This is an interesting passage, and it comes after that well-known section that we heard read today, which starts with the Sermon on the Mount. In other Gospels, like Luke, uh, this teaching is spread throughout Jesus' ministry. But here in Matthew, he puts it all together in one long passage. Now, perhaps Jesus often taught this sermon um, on a mountaintop, and uh, perhaps it was his favorite or common topic. Perhaps he repeats it more than once. But Matthew brings it together in a very helpful summary. The crucial thing is here is to see what Jesus is looking to do. Here he is starting to turn the order of the world upside down with these beatitudes. Literally, they are the attitudes for us to be. He is encouraging those who are listening to him. He is encouraging them to show mercy, to be meek, to be peacemakers. Now, these are attitudes that the world then and now would not normally be seen as attitudes to try and strive for. In effect, they can be perceived to be weak. Now, having been a teenager in the early 80s, it was all about grabbing your future, striving for the goals, earning lots of money. Now, that was not really me. Perhaps it was the reason I became a police officer rather than a city trader in London with a brick-sized mobile phone. Not that I've got a problem with making money, it's just sometimes the attitude that come with, can come with it um, is not always the best. I think it's interesting with this new Be Kind movement that actually people are starting to go back to these Beatitudes because that's what it's talking like. So in verses 3 to 12, he's telling them how to be, setting out the ways his followers should be, ways that are very different to often that are seen in the world. Then in verse 13, Jesus tells them the reason for that difference the reason why they are to be different. He tells them they are different, that they are to be salt and light to the world. In verse 13, we see that he says, you are the salt of the earth. But why salt? Salt adds flavor. A little salt goes a long way. But in Jesus' time, an important use of salt was that of being a preservative. It would be added to fish or meat rubbed into the very fish, the flesh of the fish, 
so it would preserve it longer than it would have been edible if it had been left unsalted. Now, this was in the days before Tesco, Aldi, Sainsbury's. There are other supermarkets. Uh, and fridges and freezers. To keep that fish longer, it needed to be salted. One of the most plentiful sources of salt in Jesus' time would have been the Dead Sea, where the water from the salt, uh, water from the sea evaporates and leaves a salty residue around the edge. That would be collect, collected and kept as salt. However, if it got damp, the salt would likely to absorb the water and run away, leaving the other elements, perhaps, that wouldn't have been so good. Those elements weren't salt. It wasn't the nice, clean stuff that you can buy in the supermarket. That stuff lasts for years. No, in Jesus' time, that salt could lose its saltiness. Now, it, whilst it might not have been 100% clean and pure salt, it was still worth a lot of money in Jesus' time. It was used as a currency. And Roman soldiers were paid in salt. It's where we get our modern word salary from, from the very salt. So as salt, we are valuable. We also have a purpose to add to the world, to have an impact on it. Almost like a chilli in a curry sauce or spicy dish, we are meant to be different, to bring an impact. And we are to be a preservative, to impact on the world so that it doesn't decay or fall apart as much as it would without us. You see, salt works by being rubbed into the fish or the meat. It's not something that can be done remotely. It needs to be in contact with it. The salt preserves the food by drawing water out from it and so helps to kill and prevent the bacteria from putrefying the meat. It literally saves the meat from being rotten. When something is salted, as I said, it can be kept for a very, very long time. Likewise with taste. When you have fish and chips, you don't sprinkle the salt onto the table. You put it into the fish and chips. It's eaten together. It's used up to make something better. So you can make a difference to the world. You can be salt. And in being like salt, we need to get close to those in the world who are dead in their sin. Not to become like them, but to stop them rotting in that state of death. You cannot do that from afar, and you cannot do it by not engaging with people. Jesus then goes on to say that we are the light of the world. That we are the light of the world. Now that's a phrase that we've seen elsewhere in the Bible. Because John, in chapter 1, verse 4, four, says that in him was life, and that light was the light, that life was the light of all mankind. Later, John records Jesus saying that he, Jesus, is the light of the world. So who is the light of the world? Is it Jesus, or is it us? Well, it comes from Jesus. Him living in you as the light of the world gets that light out as we live our lives according to the way the Beatitudes are set. The salt and light comes after the Beatitudes because living as a Christian enables us to be salt and light. Now others might be meek and peacemakers. You could see that in those who follow Buddhism. However, Jesus does not call them salt and light. Why? Because living the Beatitudes is not enough to make you a Christian. To trust, you, ha you have to do that. You have to trust that Jesus paid the price for your sin. Then you can be salt and light as you live those beatitudes. It is that light which has a source from him that shines from us and gets seen by other people. See, Jesus is the light of the world, not Buddha or any other founder of a religion. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So he is the light of the world who shines through us. In effect, we shine because he first shone in us. He wants us to be transformed so we let out as much light as possible. What is it about light? Well, it brings comfort to those who are scared in the dark. Those shadows that can overwhelm and scare disappear when light is brought to the situation. In effect, it exposes the truth of what is there. It guides the lost to safety. It helps those who need to be rescued. Why do all the life vests on an aeroplane have a little light on it? Because if you're bobbing down in a dark ocean, you want to be seen. It warns of danger. Lighthouses show where the rocks are. A torch is used to light up the rough ground underfoot so you don't stumble. It can also bring warmth as well. The biggest light in our solar system, the sun, is a pretty good thermal lamp, I would suggest. Light makes a difference to those in darkness. That can be seen by so many people who suffer from seasonal affective disorder. During the winter months, they can feel depressed, have low energy, problems with sleeping, feeling sluggish or agitated. It's caused by a lack of sunlight. What do they need? They need some light. It's similar with the world we live in today. It needs light. There is so much darkness and sadness in the world. Now, I'm going to read a list of things that cause sadness and hurt in the world. It's a pretty savage list, but it shows clearly what the state of what we're living in. Child abuse, domestic violence, greed, famine, war, terrorism, divorce, illness, climate change, cancer, lack of health care, suicide, hatred, racism, sexism, and all the other ways of being prejudiced against others. So we live in a world in a bit of a mess. Some things are caused by us, and some things just seem to happen. They all cause pain and suffering, whatever the root of them. There's so much pain and darkness that needs to have some salt and light put on it. This list shows how much our world needs help. This is not about a 17-year-old girl getting about cross getting cross about the type of cars that we drive. There instead needs to be a fundamental transformation of people's lives. Their lives need to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, whilst he will not undo the things that have happened, he can and does change the future. He gives hope to the hopeless, a future to the lost, and joy to the sad. He transforms the here and now to be a better future. In the past, people used to try and solve the world's problems by thinking their way out, or by the use of science. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Science and medicine are really important. Vaccinations are good evidence of how important science is. But in the 17th to 19th century, there was what's been called the Age of Enlightenment, when men thought they could think and science their way forward. In effect, they started to write God out of the equation. They thought it would be a better place without, with more thought and less God. Well, I'm not sure we can look at society today and say that it's great because of man's thinking. See, people pl- replace God with reason and beliefs with science, thinking that man will be happier. I kind of don't think that worked out. So we can, we can make a difference. We can be salt and light. See, you are of value, just like salt was of value in Jesus' time. 
You have a purpose in the world like salt did. Salt got close to the meat and the fish, was rubbed into it. You cannot get more involved than that. Just your very being brings difference to any situation. As Jesus, living in line with the Beatitudes, we let that light out. As Christians living in line with the Beatitudes, we let that light out. We shine in the dark places of the world because of how we are changed by Christ. As a Christian, you're fundamentally different to other people. Now, the Rotary Club do many great things, but they're not salt and light like you would be if you got involved in things. Now, to be sure, I'm not putting down the Rotary Club or any other secular humanitarian organisation. I'm definitely not saying Christians shouldn't be a member of such. In fact, it's good to be part of those things. We can make a difference. As a Christian, you're alive in a spiritual way and carry the light of Christ in you. That is different. That is special. As you do your things, life shines out through you. The love of Christ shines out through you. We who are being transformed take him who can do that transformation to others in need. We who are being transformed take him, take that transformation to others who need it. Now I'm about to show a short video on a group that seeks to transform the lives of others. For over 70 years, this is what we've been doing, getting up early to get out there and fly. What motivates me is just seeing change, being that essential lifeline that makes a huge difference around the world. We're flying every day into isolated communities where there's no road, there's no infrastructure. We're coming onto the sides of mountains, we're going into the remote bush. We're taking that life wherever we go. When we talk about flying for life, we mean it in the fullest sense of the word. It's not just about food and water and a safe place to live, but it's about health, it's about education, it's about transformation of communities and seeing them thrive, and it's about taking Jesus' love into those places. MAF was started by a couple of World War II pilots. They'd returned from the war, they'd been using aircraft to drop bombs and now they could see that aircraft could be used to bring life and to bring hope. It was a very humble beginning, just one aircraft, but that aircraft was fuelled by the prayers of many. We are pilots and engineers, we are IT specialists, we are administrators, we are managers, but we're so much more. We're the faithful prayer partners at home, we're the people helping raise the funds. Together we are Mission Aviation Fellowship. I don't know yet what transformation my flights today will bring. I don't know what transformation every other flight will bring, but I know this, that for every flight we do, we are motivated by flying for life.
that video gets me every time I watch it. I've watched it so many times. Because it transforms people's lives. Whether it's the lady who gave birth three days ago, who had retained the placenta that I saw carried off the aircraft in Papua New Guinea, but couldn't get to hospital. And we saved her life, literally, by getting her off the aircraft. Whatever it is, because it's that, mo that change that you can bring. It's that salt and life that you can bring. See, we look to change people's lives physically, but we also, in math, look to do it spiritually. And there are ways that we can all get involved. We have organizations that are church that we're connected to. Some are Christian in origin, and others have aims in align with our Christian goal of loving the poor, for example. So whether it's food bank, street pastors, math, church mission society, Christians Against Poverty, Church Army, there are ways that we can all get involved. Or it could be that helping out with the children youth events, they always need support, trust me. So what are the specifics? Prayer. Prayer is the foundation, the bedrock of our involvement. Without prayer, we are fighting with one hand tied behind our back. Time. What time can you give to support one of these causes? So many of them can do with some extra support. You can speak to Lise, Andrew, Georgina about ways you might be able to help with the youth and children's work. Take some time to come alongside those who might be hurting, perhaps. Those who need support, who need some light. Connect groups might be a good, just a, the right place to do that, to love each other. Perhaps to give. Some of you might not have much time or much, not much mobility, perhaps but you could give a little bit financially to one of these needs. However you support, whether it's through prayer, time or giving, I cannot stress how much of a difference it makes when people support a mission organisation like that. You are literally lifting a load when you come alongside, whether it's by buying a can of fuel for one of our aircraft, praying for the street pastors or coming alongside the hurting. You are making a difference. You are being salt and light. And the net result is, as we do these good works, they and we point to Jesus. He is the one that motivates us and inspires us. He is the one that can lead the lost to salvation. It might take a long time to see that change, but do not underestimate the contribution you can make. Perhaps the list of things that I read out today includes things that cause you pain. If so, I'd encourage you to get prayer after the service at the cross. Likewise, if you feel called to those in pain, I commend you get prayer so the Lord may grow that in your heart, whatever that might be. Whatever, our job is to be salt and light. And I suggest we do that by praying, offering time and giving. Amen.